Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Kelly Hoey from Women Innovate Mobile and tonight's panel. Thank you, Josh, and it's great to see everybody back here at the Apple Store, and I'm really excited about tonight's conversation. So as Josh said, I am Kelly Hoey. I am one of three co-founders of Women Innovate Mobile. We are a startup accelerator based in New York, and we, funny from our name, we focus on investments in the mobile space, mobile and mobile first um, startups, and we look at the composition of the founding team. Uh, we want to see women founding companies, so we look for diverse founding teams that include a woman. So why are we talking about, you know, I want to say uh, pipeline programs, um, educational programs, efforts to get more uh, people coding, particularly women? It's really simple from my perspective as an investor. I'm not going to have anything to invest in if these people don't have amazing programs to get more women, uh, more minorities, uh, more of the outsiders um, programming, which is essential for all of us and our economy and all that kind of good stuff. So rather than me introducing each of them, I'm going to run down the line and I'm going to start with Sam, who is one of the co-founders of Hopscotch. And prior to that, Days of the Dinosaur, I have them on my iPad. Anyway. Hi, I'm Samantha John. I'm one of the co-founders of Hopscotch. And we make an iPad app that helps kids, middle school, elementary school kids, learn how to program. Uh, we do this with a visual programming language that makes it easy for them to start creating their own games and apps and stories. Kimberly. <laughs> um, hello, everyone. My name is Kimberly Bryant. I'm the founder and executive director of Black Girls Code. We are a nonprofit organization headquartered in San Francisco, and we teach girls of color age 7 to 17 all about technology and really try to change their mindset from being consumers of technology to being the creators of it. My name is Ada, and I am the CEO and founder of Skill Crush. And what we do is teach adults online um, how to code. So, or try to teach adults how to code. Some of us need to finish our class. <laughs> Busted. Um, we'll be showing everyone. We'll do a code review of um, Kelly's website after this. Hi, everyone. I'm Kristen Titus. I'm the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Girls Who Code. We are working to close the gender gap in the tech space, what we're here to talk about. We work primarily with high school girls across the country um, and uh, tech companies to train, equip, and prepare these young women to move into the tech sector. Hi, I'm Rachel Weiss. I'm the Vice President of Innovation, New Ventures, and Content at L'Oreal. I'm also the founder of um, a program we have at L'Oreal called Women in Digital, and that's what I'm here to talk about mostly today. That's fantastic. I want to go back to um, Kimberly and Ada, because things you didn't touch on. All right, Kimberly, your own story. In, ter in terms of, uh, you're an engineer. And uh, tell, us, tell us your path, and particularly, too, it was your story with your daughter that caused you to create Black Girls Code. Absolutely. So um, as Kelly mentioned, my background is actually as an engineer. And I went to school and received a degree, a major in electrical engineer, and a minor in computer science a long time ago when the numbers for women 
going through technology were actually high. Um, and unfortunately, that has decreased over the last couple of decades. And it was that realization that really drove me to create this opportunity with Black Girls Code because my daughter was starting to go right into that critical age range in middle school where girls tend to drop out of the path of going into a science field. And I really was looking for something to engage her and to really get her to understand she could create with this tool, this laptop, and all these things that she did online and didn't find anything that really addressed that. So that was really my motivation from being a mother and also being a woman engineer and having lived through everything through my daughter's eyes a couple of decades before. And that really drove me to take a step back, take a pivot, and really do something to address this situation. And Ed, as I recall reading somewhere, you have been um, fighting or fought earlier in your career in terms of um, pursuing math and science. Um, yeah, so my, I actually was an art major, so I did not graduate with an engineering degree, um, which is actually very, very common in, among technologists. Um, and I really came to it after I was working in media in 2008 when the economy cr just completely imploded. And I was in New York, um, and I was working at a company and they laid off a third of the company and not a single technical person. I, this is a digital company. So they basically found everyone in the company who wasn't technical and laid them off and mass, myself included, because at the time I was a producer. Um, and then luckily, you know, I had a lot of time to kill. So um, <laughs> I, I think I spent the next day drinking beer in the park. And then the day after that, I started to learn to code. Um, out of adversity becomes opportunity. Um, so, Kristen, um, let's talk, before we talk about in terms of adversity and creativity uh, and these solutions that are coming out of it, how bad is it out there? How I, bad? You're calling upon me to be the Debbie Downer of the <laughs> evening. I'm, I'm happy to take that role. Uh, it's but you bad. do it so nicely, so... Go for it. Um, it's bad, and anyone on this stage can attest to this. You know, we are at a time which technologists are in great demand. We cannot fill jobs. But what's uh, never been more apparent, and alarmingly so, is the absolute dearth of women represented in any of these positions. Um, the numbers are pretty dismal. 30 years ago, as Kimberly was saying, we saw about 37% of computer science degrees awarded to women today. That's around 12%. Anecdotally, we're hearing it's closer to seven or eight. Um, when you look at the high school level, 0.3% of girls express interest in studying anything related to technology. Um, again, this is the field where innovation happens, where jobs are abundant. This is the highest paying, the fastest growing, and the most powerful sector you can work in. Um, so we have to change that. And I think everyone here represents a different angle of how we're approaching the problem. And I think what is so encouraging to talk about here today is, is really the extent to which we've mobilized everyone from the White House to CEOs of top Fortune 500 companies to really uh, to champion this cause and get behind it in a real way that we can start to see movement, um, start to see investment, and start to see a conversation happening that's going to drive real change in the next few years.
So let's get to the solutions, because I think part of this is going to be what are the resources for those of you who are out there who are like, okay, I, I need to bite the bullet and I need to learn how to code, or I want my son, my daughter, my niece, my nephew, whoever it is, I want them to start, start learning. So let's talk about the creative solution. So Sam, why a visual language to teach kids how to code? Well, for me, I never, when I was a kid, I never liked computers. I always found them really hard to use. And, and I see that with tons of girls. I see that with my girlfriends. They all hate computers. Even the ones who are doing their PhDs at MIT, they're like, oh, I'm so glad I got out of computer science class. That was the worst. And I really felt like there's something about programming that is not the same as struggling with a computer. So that led us to wanting to think about programming on a tablet, because a tablet's very simple. There's not the same problems you have with the computer. And when you use a tablet, the right, the right way to interact with it is not typing. The right way to interact with it is with the touch gesture. That's what really feels natural with an iPad. So we kind of, coming from that angle, decided a visual programming language was really going to be the best thing to, to make programming fun for kids. Well, and friends of kids like it, too. Um, so, Kimberly, talk to us about Summer of Code and what is going on with Black Girls Code across the country. I would love to. Um, Summer of Code is a project that we founded last year. Um, it was a, a brainstorm we had in 2012 to take BGC on the road. So we started in San Francisco, but we had such amazing community interest and support from around the country. And we were like, okay, how can we reach more girls and really reach out and meet some of these needs in all these communities that we're getting requests and emails from on a day-to-day -day basis? So we had what we thought at that time was a grand idea that we would train and take these girls and through a computer programming course in 30 to 60 days and we'd reach 200 girls. But of course, at the time, we had only had a class size of about max of maybe 15. So this was a stretch goal, to say the least. Um, but we just had a broad idea. We thought big, and we thought we could do it. Um, so we were surprised that not only were we able to reach those 200 girls in 2012, we reached almost 1,000. And we went from having an average class size of about 15 to having almost 80 to 90 girls in some of our classes. And we took BGC across the US from San Francisco to Atlanta to New York to Detroit, Chicago, and saw this overwhelming response. So of course, we thought we'd do it again in 2013, but we set the goal even higher. So this year, the goal is to reach 2,000 girls. Um, and we're starting on that path now. We've reached about 200 or 250 by the end of this month, and we're reaching new cities and new places. So the goal is to really um, push forth and reach as many students as we can and plant that seed for programming and technology that hopefully they'll take it and continue to do it on and on and on. I want to say, and you know, jump down to Kristen, like you've expanded from one program to how many this year? 
we're now in five cities, eight different programs. Um, but what I love about uh, Kimberly's point here is, you know, you're not just teaching 250 girls. You are inspiring and equipping them to go back into their schools, into their communities, and advocate for this among their friends, teachers, principals. We've seen this time and time again with our work. We now have uh, principals from all over calling us. We have, um, we have young girls who have written us that they've gone back into their schools and are functioning as teachers. They are teaching courses inside their schools. Um, they are ambassadors, and this is what's needed. There are no uh, role models. Girls at this age don't know what a computer scientist does, and if they have an image in their mind, it doesn't look like them. Um, so what, you know, this, what this work is doing is really changing perceptions, inspiring a new generation of innovators, and equipping them with the skills to do that. Um, and I think the, the movement is quite powerful. Um, our work, in particular at Girls Who Code, our flagship program, is one in which we build out a classroom inside tech companies. So Jasmine, 16 years old, she wakes up at her home in East Palo Alto every morning at 7. She shows up at Twitter at 8.30 every morning. She's there until 5, um, and she's there for eight weeks. She works alongside the female engineers inside Twitter. She learns robotics, web design, mobile development. Um, and at the end of those eight weeks, in fact, they're having their graduation at, at Twitter tonight. Um, at the end of those eight weeks, it's incredibly powerful. They are equipped with skills that will take them far into the future, but more importantly, they have a sense of confidence, and they have, um, they have a foundation on which to, to grow and to think differently about their futures. They are thinking of becoming CEOs. They're thinking of becoming like Sam and creating products, and it's, it's pretty remarkable what that means for each of them. I want to pop down to Rachel at the end on this theme of inspiration because L'Oreal has really stepped in and has created, I want to say, a place for role models and for inspiration with your women in digital. Yeah, we um, at L'Oreal, we're the largest, the largest beauty company in the world. Just a little lipstick or two, yeah. A little, um, <laughs> but what people don't know is that, or don't think about it, science is at the core of what L'Oreal has done for over 100 years. And we've always advocated women in science, but now we're seeing there's so much opportunity with technology for how we go to market. L'Oreal traditionally is advertised on television and in magazines, and the convergence of how technology is changing that landscape is an important initiative for a big company like L'Oreal. And if you think about the fact that our core customers are women, and there's this blue ocean and wide space of how we're gonna communicate to women, you know, we saw an opportunity to start thinking about how are we gonna create that next experience for women who's shopping for beauty with technology created by women who understand our products for women. So along with the economic opportunities that you, you, you discuss, you know, there's a huge corporate opportunity for, for us to start figuring that out. And it's become a pipeline for us. We want to show what women in technology can look like. We want to support women entrepreneurs who are working today. We want to recruit girls who are coming out of Black Girls Code and, 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 and 
And Girls Who Code, who is I'm our not partner, the only one. who is our partner, and Girls Who Code, um, in, to come work at L'Oreal um, one day. So, you know, we're sponsoring them. We, we, we go into their classrooms. I went to their um, graduation last year and was really touched because there was young girls there who had so much more confidence than they had when they started the program. And, you know, we want to support those, those girls and show them that these opportunities exist within companies like L'Oreal. And there's an economic viability for them. And show them what you know the jobs look like and change that perception and you can have a job and you can be at a company like L'Oreal and you can be chic and you can be a geek and 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 that's you know that's an important message I think to, to show to young girls who are dropping out when they're in middle school you don't you, there there's opportunities there and stick with it because you can be economically viable you can work for a global company with massive opportunities and you can invent and imagine and there's so many different ways you can do that in a big company and it's a corporation we have a responsibility to send that message well, and it just being so important to say that, you know, technology isn't just smartphones and tablets, it's lipstick. It's clothing now. You think about everything. I mean, I jokingly say, other than the kiosk outside of a subway station that sells lottery tickets and gum, every company is a tech company. And, and it's storytelling now, too. I mean, girls might be able to code, but they also can be imaginative and design and create and tell stories. And how do you integrate that within technology on multiple screens and thinking about smart TV? I mean, there's so many opportunities depending on what, you know, if you're left brain, right brain, if you're creative, if you want to code, that are going to be centered around technology. And there's huge opportunities for us to invent what that looks like and to employ women who want to help us do that. Yeah, programming is a super creative field. I just heard about this woman who's an artist and she spent she's spending 180 days making a new website every day. And there's so much creativity that comes into it cuz she comes up with these great website ideas that she can do in one day. And I think people really underestimate how much creativity you can express with programming. Well, I think we talk a lot about STEM, and I really do believe in STEAM. I think that there is definitely an opportunity to really consider the importance of the arts and technology, because it is such a creative field, and it's not just sitting behind a computer and, and, and cranking out you know, code. There is an artistic element to it, and I think that if girls understand that, there's places for all of us, and there's so much opportunity. It really, yeah, I mean, that's very much my experience. And a, a big thing we try to communicate at Skill Crush is when I came into technology, I had this image of, you know, this, you know, being like a sweaty guy in the basement alone with my computer. And then I found that it was nothing like that. It was extremely creative, extremely collaborative. For me, it totally comes from the same maker impulse that made me photograph or knit or any of those things where I wanted to create and sort of see things um, is exactly what gets satisfied for me when I code. Well, as I always say to people, we have to stop thinking of coding and coders like plumbers, right? Like people say to me, oh, I need a, I need a, I need a programmer. I'm like, this is not a plumber. You're looking for an artist and we have to think of code as language and language is creativity and it is art. Um, and that's from someone who really doesn't know how to code. It sounded good, didn't it? No, jokingly aside, but that's seriously, if you think about it that way, and th thinking about it that way, let's talk, let's talk some nuts and bolts here. I'm gonna say Kristen, Adam, you know, uh, <laughs> Kimberly, Sam, this is coming down to you now. Let's talk some nuts and bolts about what you're doing in, your, in, in um, teaching people to code, kids or adults. And let's, Ada, let's start with you. That's, that, what's so different about what you're doing versus if I you know, took a class in school, if it existed? Like, what are you doing to make me want to learn how to code? 
It's don't give away don't give away all the sauce, but give okay. us some of the secrets. Um, I think you know the things that we have really focused on is making sure that people understand the end goal of what they're. So we sort of teach coding as a means to an end in terms of you have something that you want to create and visualize and bring to life, and we're going to give you the skills in order to you know put that together. Um, I feel really fortunate in online education because. What I'm teaching, which is coding, it makes a lot of sense to have it online. Like I think about people who are trying to teach something that's not an online skill, um, doing it online, and I think, wow, that I don't, I don't envy them for um, that challenge. Like I can imagine if I was trying to, to teach people to cook or something like that. Um, but we're really fortunate that it really, you know, the 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 browser really lends itself to teaching people to code because, you know, it's a very interactive medium. Um, and then we build a lot of community around it. So we found that to be really important, which I think is actually something that if you were to take a class, you would get. Um, and I think it's a really important part of education. And that's something we think a lot about how to replicate that kind of community aspect online. So how long's the course? It's three weeks. Did you expand it? We expanded it. <laughs> Want to come you back got a long way two? to go, Kelly. <laughs> No, it was two weeks when I was That's part true. way through it. Okay, yeah, I got to yeah. come back. I got to get my yeah. those, my extra week in there. Okay. Yeah. So we take people from knowing not or how to you know not knowing how to write a single line of code to really you know designing, building, and then launching their first website. You're doing HTML and CSS. Yeah. A couple hours a day. We're really excited. We're going to be launching some classes in JavaScript and PHP and Ruby soon, which will be really really fun because programming is awesome. And you get added sense of humor. It's it's That's awesome. True. You do. Um, so, Kristen, you, you hinted at it a little bit, but I think people really need to digest what um, Girls Who Code is doing and this whole notion of um, girls not being interested in coding. This, sure. So, yeah, I this mean, is a meal. <laughs> this is, you know, I think. A, a, big part of our work is our outreach and recruitment and really demystifying what computer science is um, and more importantly communicating what technology can empower you to do, what these skills can enable for you and what we know about girls is that the number one motivator for girls and, and specifically in computer science is um, technology can enable me to impact lives to improve people's lives. Um, whereas boys, the most important message is technology enables me to build cool things. So we build that into our work. There's a social aspect to it. It's demystifying what this is, making it um, accessible, fun, um, creative, thoughtful. Um, and seeing that end product and empowering these girls to create something and build something of their own is, has never been more powerful. Um, we have to get these young women to see themselves not as consumers, but as creators, as innovators, as thought leaders. And um, equipping them with these skills is, is really, really powerful. Um, we take our young women through a, a range of subjects, as I said earlier. We give them a breadth of experience, and with a really intensive um, intervention at high school, they are then able to take those skills into internships, jobs, into computer science programs in college. Um, almost all of our women who've gone through our program are now in paid internships at 16 or 17. They have multiple clients. They've built products that I could have never even imagined. Um, it's, it's pretty powerful. They've taught their dads. 
and they've taught their dads. Um, we had one young woman this week say, uh, divulge that her dad laughed at her when she said that she wanted to do Girls Who Code. He said, you'd never be able to do that. And he's now enrolled in a class himself. Um, <laughs> she, she was coming home after, after Girls Who Code every day and sharing what she learned. And he said, okay, okay, I, I'll, take, I'll take a class. So Kimberly, if I showed up on a Saturday for Black Girls Code, what time am I arriving? What time am I leaving? What, what am I doing that day? So for Black Girls Code, we do uh, much of the same thing that Kirsten mentioned with Girls Who Code, um, but we have a couple of different program models. Um, the major program model is a one-day workshop that we do on a Saturday where girls come in from 10 to about 4 o'clock and they immerse themselves in one topic, either building a website, building a video game, building a mobile application, and we pack that knowledge into one day and really build it around a project that they're building and creating during the course of that day. But we also do really unique and fun summer camps where girls come in for a full week and go even further into topics, as well as six to eight week sessions where girls come in during the weekend. I think the really unique thing about our organization is that we do focus on underrepresented girls and underrepresented communities, so African American, Latinas, and Native American girls, and it's more than just about the coding and the tech skills for us. So we're really striving to create a culturally sensitive environment and culturally sensitive curriculum, and we're going deeper and deeper and deeper into that as we grow as an organization, because we realize for our girls, they're battling many different things than just having access to a computer or technology classes. This is a whole self-esteem, it's a whole self-actualization issues that are in these communities of color. So our classes may teach coding, but it also may have a rites of passage session in it. As you look into the future, um, Glass for Black Girls Code, that's where we're going because we realize these girls need more than just to know how to program Java. They need to know how to be a black woman in the world that knows that she has power and that's a leader. So we're creating something above and beyond the next Steve Jobs. That's awesome. Um, so I've heard a lot about what's inspired you to create, you know, whether it was out of your own life experience, your child's, a job situation, you know, corporate necessity, but what's really inspired you as a result? Has there been things that have inspired and, and maybe surprised you and surpassed, you know, kind of um, what you thought of? I say, Kimberly, I'm gonna go back to you. You're like nodding away and I'll give everyone else a little chance. You know your answer. Yeah. Well, for me, I think, and what has inspired me through this work yeah. is that I never thought I would be teacher. <laughs> I did not think that I would be doing that because teachers really are underappreciated. Or I didn't even have an appreciation for how much teachers do and how important they are. They're really the backbone of our youth. That is so important. So having to step into the classroom myself and actually teach young minds has given me a totally different appreciation for what my daughter's teachers do on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's like the most important. Edu I know now that education is the most important thing we can do as a nation. That's it. Forget creating anything else. Education is it. That's the most important thing we can do. If we put those resources into educating our youth, we'll be fine as a nation. We'll be fine as a universe because that's the most important thing we're set on this earth to do, in my opinion now. Amazing. 
Ada, what's, what's like inspired you as a result? Has there been a website? Has there been a student? I think what has surprised me um, is the geographic sort of distribution of our students. So I would have really expected to have had a lot of, you know, New Yorkers and San Franciscans and kind of kept it like within those tech spheres. But um, we've had a lot of people from Atlanta and North Carolina and Nebraska. And that has been really, really exciting to see that um, not only that we're able to reach them, but also to understand that it's this interest really you know, exists outside of what we consider the traditional metropolitan areas in the, um, in the US. And then also, we have a, Australians are really into coding, <laughs> FYI. Um, and they're really great, and they have like a lot of like Spitfire, so I really like them a lot. Um, yeah, so just that sort of, I mean, this, I think this speaks also just sort of to my love affair with the internet and sort of what the things that are possible. Like here I am in Brooklyn, like typing away, and I'm able to communicate with and have this like extended relationship with a whole sort of group of Australian students, which is really remarkable. So cool. Kristen? There, there's so many to choose from. You know, I think I, I, I'm always inspired by and, you know, completely moved by the extent to which these young women see themselves as the start of a movement um, and equipping them with these skills. They are, have never been more confident to do just that. Um, we had a young woman in, in our program, Kadi, who's from Senegal. She came into the program not really knowing how to use a computer at all. In her native country, she was not allowed to use a computer because she was a woman. Um, and throughout those eight weeks was just completely moved and, and, um, and dedicated to bringing this experience to everyone, to every young woman like her. Um, and at the end of the program built a website in which she took all of the content from the program, put it online, um, built a website that was translated into 32 languages, and her goal was to teach every woman around the world how to do this. I have a young woman right now from last year's program who's in Bangladesh. We got an email last week that she's building Girls Who Code in Bangladesh and teaching in schools there. And, and you know, her words are, I'm going to build this movement here and it's going to change lives. And I think you know, seeing that inspired in each of these young women is really powerful, and it's just the start of what can happen. I'll just throw out the question on how you're gonna scale what you're doing. We don't need to ask that. Um, Sam, what's, from what you've been doing, what's been inspiring, or what's inspired you as a result of Hopscotch? Well, with Hopscotch, we don't always get to meet our users, but we, we made a little feedback button, and, and sometimes they write in, and it's like little kids who write in, and it's so great. I've, I've taught a lot of programming classes just with traditional programming languages where you teach people how to type in their programs, and one of the hardest things every time is teaching them the concept of a variable. It's one of the most challenging concepts for new programmers. And this little girl wrote in for Hopscotch. And Hopscotch is like basically in beta. We don't even have variables in our programming language. And she said, I want a way to keep track of how many times someone has tapped on their little character. She's like, how do I do that? I was like, oh, well, you just kind of invented a variable, even though I didn't give you one. And, and I love that she was just discovering that on her own. So. If we can do that for people, I'll be very happy. Mind open, it just, it's amazing. I, I do love those, like, those moments of that discovery or that aha. Down at the end, Rachel, um, 
you may have had something in mind when the idea of uh, L'Oreal Women in Digital, but what's like inspired you or sort of surprised you since that initiative launched? Um, well, what's been really exciting for me is that this is our second year of the program, and, and, and the first year we're really focused on female entrepreneurs working today, and to follow those women and see them getting a next round of funding, or having a meeting with them a year ago, and they had an idea that was you know, a great idea, but it's, now it's, it's coming to life, and, and to see these women succeed who had a, a, a nugget of an idea to start raising money and to actually have their product into life and scale has been a very exciting for me. The second piece is that you know this year our goal was really to start to work with high school students and and to motivate them and and working with girls who code or speaking at an event with high school students personally for me has been the most rewarding because when a girl comes to me and says wow I never thought I could have a job like yours or I'd love to work at L'Oreal and I'm going to go to college now and I'm going to study computers and or I'm going to be a graphic designer when I hear a girl say that because she has met someone on me or my team or heard us speak about the program that for me is what it's really all about. When I get to inspire a young girl who sees what her future could look like, I didn't expect that when I, when I, it's, when I started the program. And, and that's the most rewarding thing and that's what's gonna scale and keep this program going forward. That's, that's awesome. So I bet we have some people out here who you get ready with your questions. We've got lots of time for that. But thinking of people in the audience who um, are you know, parents, educators, some tips, some ideas, some resources, and you know, I'll go down the line, and if you think of something else, we can come back the line this way, because I think it's really important in, the, in this in terms of what are things that they can take away, um, download, search, do, whatever. Well, of and course, yes, and yes, plug Hopscotch, because <laughs> I have it on plug my Plug for iPad. Hopscotch, <laughs> of course. Uh, and Kelly mentioned earlier, we have another app called Daisy the Dinosaur which is uh, another little programming app for, for really young kids, like six, seven, five. Um, and 47-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, I would say that what I, when I've seen kids learn to code, there's kind of two things to learn. There's the programming concepts, and, and then there's typing. And, and kids aren't good at typing. Um, they might think they are, but they're really bad at it. So if you can find a way, use something visual like Hopscotch or like Scratch if you don't have an iPad uh, to, to start teaching, familiarizing them with the concepts before they have to start learning how to type them all in. I've found that to be really helpful. I want to say, well, thinking again, code is a language. When do you need to open up the brain to the concept of another language? So Kimberly, a tip for a parent, an educator. Um, I would say get your um, students and your um, kids involved in creating with technology as early as possible. So I always get asked the question, how early is too early? Um, as early as possible. <laughs> so, so there's so much stuff out there now that's accessible and it's open source. So as Sam mentioned, there's Scratch, there's App Inventor with MIT. Mozilla has a full suite of products that you can readily access on the computer. And then also look at programs like um, Black Girls Code, Girls Who Code, 
there's an organization here in New York called Code Now. There's Technovation Challenge. There's Tech Girls. Uh, we're really, uh, there's Coda Dojo that started in Ireland, and I, I really love those folks at Coda Dojo, so I always give them a shout out. But they're all over the world, but there's so many organizations um, that are really reaching out to teach young and old. Find an organization that's right for you or your child and get them involved and really encourage them to keep learning because it's really about taking the step forward, learning how to fail, and then keep going again. So just go out and do it and introduce them as much as possible. Yeah, uh, one of the number one questions we get at Skill Crush is how do I get started? Um, and so we are specifically focused on programming for the web, but um, what I tell people is that the first thing you should learn is HTML and CSS, and those can be really good for learning to type um, which is what Samantha was talking about, and just getting familiar with sort of writing in a different way and keeping having all the punctuation in place. Um, and you can, what's great about them is they're relatively easy to pick up. Um, they don't sort of go into all these programming concepts, which are key to learning a programming language. But you can really start to see results. And then I think the most important thing after that is to start to think like a programmer. And so you need to start to think not about, I think it's, relatively common for people to get stuck in this like I'm gonna create a blog or I'm gonna create a website and I'm gonna produce all the content like I'm gonna take content and I'm gonna put it up on the web and I think one of sort of the important kind of shifts that that people that really you know sort of pushes your programming and your computer technology skills to the next level is to start to sort of rethink that and think okay I'm not gonna create all the content instead what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create an interactive you know app and I'm gonna let other people provide the content and I'm just gonna facilitate that um, so you sort of become a producer and not the content creator. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I taught a high school class and one of the things we talked about was sort of taking all these different websites and thinking about them. They're all data and then a messaging protocol and starting to think about ways in which you can source data in ways that aren't you inputting it yourself. Um, so I think those kinds of concepts can really be exciting and really sort of, you know, get you deeper into what it's all about. Uh, a couple things, I, you know, I think we're talking about kids, teenagers, one thing I always encourage parents, teachers, and others is to, to push, push each of those students to think about where that product came from. Who made that? How was that made? This, these are products that you're using and consuming on a minute-by-minute -minute basis, and I think we've seen a real disconnect between the products that we're using and, and um, the level of interest in being the creator of those products. So, um, you know, prod them, ask them, where did that come from? How do you think that was made? What does that look like on the back end? Um, I think is, is a way to get the, the conversation started. And then I think, you know, we have, to see, we have to see a conversation happen in our schools, with our educators, um, within our families, with our children. Um, talk about it. Ask your educators, your teachers, your principals, if they offer computer science, if they've thought about offering computer science, why they don't offer computer science. Um, but we have to start talking about it. And we have to put this on the radar of everyone if we're going to really move the needle. Um, you know, my, my story is a little different. You know, I've 
I've, I've read a lot on this topic as well. And one of the reasons that really surprised me is that a lot of girls are dropping out in middle school of STEM-related careers because of parental attitudes. So if you have a child who is maybe a little different, a little dorky, who likes to code, who likes science, if you have a girl who you know, might be a little bit different, you know, encourage her. Don't, you know, that's a reason a lot of girls drop out because their parents don't support it. And the girls who have parents who support it, who send them to Girls Who Code, who encourage it, are the girls who are gonna, are, are gonna succeed. So my advice is if you have a child who is interested in math and science, especially a girl, find her these kinds of programs and be encouraging and, and don't let her fall into peer pressure and, and tell her that it's okay to be a girl and it's okay to be into science. Amen is all I can say to that one. Um, any blogs, any other, I want to say, resources, things that we should be reading, looking at when we're not taking our class, communities that um, just want to make sure that everybody here has got every resource, meetups, things, I mean, obviously in New York, New York Tech Meetup, but blogs, resources, online communities in terms of seeking support and help in between classes. Um, I just wanted to also say for me, when I started on my journey, I was trying to get back into coding myself. So I was lucky to be in the Bay Area, and there are many organizations both in the Bay Area and other places, such as Women Who Code, um, there's Girl Develop It, there's Rails Bridge, there's Rails Girls, and all of these women, uh, communities of women, are very supportive in terms of learning and really mentoring women that are, you know, want to get into coding, whether you have experience or not. Um, and there's, a, and that's on the coding side. But there's also other organizations that really help women who are already have a business idea or they're founders and they're looking to connect with coders and technologists or VCs or other um, entrepreneurs like them. So some of those organizations that you should be looking into are organizations such as Digital Undivided um, that focuses on women of color. Um, you should look at black founders and mainly in the Bay Area, but they also have um, some chapters in other cities. Um, but these are some of the ones that I was familiar with and that were really supportive of me and my goals as an entrepreneur, both on the nonprofit and profit side. Cool. Sam? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, you reminded me, I wanted to give a plug for RailsBridge. Uh, we just ran a workshop in New York uh, back in June that was a huge success. And there's going to be another one-day workshop where it's for women to get a one-day introduction to Ruby on Rails and build your first Rails app and actually like put it up on the, on, on the internet and for your friends to see. Uh, the next one's going to be October 12th at, um, at the Alley. So um, you can talk to me after and find out the details. Awesome. Awesome. So there's Skill Crush. <laughs> um, but I actually love the Mozilla Foundation. And they have like both um, you know, in-person events and then just an unbelievable amount of resources online, both in terms of um, actually sort of interactive tools that you can learn to code on, and then just amazing, amazing documents that I still reference all the time when I'm coding um, in terms of you know, like I mean, everything, all the different programming languages. Um, yeah, it's really fantastic. I think that you can't go wrong. Google Mozilla and whatever you're Googling, and you'll find something. So um, what language are you learning right now? Um, so I work mostly in Ruby and then in JavaScript. So they have great JavaScript stuff because um, you know part of 
because JavaScript is a browser language, which, which means it exists in the browser, um, these foundations like the Mozilla Foundation and all these, or and Google, um, any company that is developing a browser is just constantly changing the language, so they have a lot of information about that. Cool. All right. We must have questions out there. Um, well, my biggest question is like what actually what you said, Rachel, about you know kind of almost changing. I was wondering what strategies overall you guys have seen in terms of just reaching out strategies to kind of rebrand and attract young girls towards, you know, the, I mean, you put it in like copy perfect words, you know, geek is chic, you know, nerds are actually really cool. So I'm just wondering like if there's been like any efforts towards even a campaign and just seeing, you know, the response of young girls towards, you know, it's not just about princess perfect and pink, it's about, you know, creating and development and that's beautiful. Yeah, where is that Disney coding princess? <laughs> She's on her way. <laughs> She's on her way. I just saw a great... She's in the garage coding. <laughs> they haven't brought her out yet. <laughs> I mean, it's... Who do you think builds all the Apple websites? <laughs> you know, it's, 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 that's, you know, that's why as a corporate citizen, we have a responsibility to be able to do this because we're able to get press. We're able to advocate in a way that is easier for us with the, with the reach that we have. So, you know, part of our program is advocacy. And, and, and we have an amazing event a couple weeks ago where we had Girls Who Code as... Um, part of our sponsor as one of our, our partners and you know we have a celebrity there and we take photos and we put it in the press because we want to show that we're supporting this and show what these girls look like so you know as part of our corporate responsibility we have funds set aside for women entrepreneurs but also we want to actually show what our winners look like we 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 we, sh we have an open call for nominations for our next generation awards every year and we actually award women a pilot with L'Oreal but last year we did a photo you know we put a photo in Fortune magazine of, the, of these women. So, you know, using our press to be able to also advocate, I think it's important for the program because it, A, it gives an entrepreneur some credibility, it gives her some visibility, and it shows that a company like us is supporting women and girls in, in this field. And, and that's part of it. I think, you know, that's what I take as part of our corporate responsibility. I, I'll jump in here and say, I think, you know, aside from education, which we're sort of all working on, I think the one central missing component is exposure. Um, these young women need to see women that look like them, that they can aspire to be. Um, and they need to be able to ask them, how can I be you? I, at 16 years old, had no idea how to become a computer scientist. I know how to become a doctor. Um, they need to see this. They need to be inspired and they need access to support networks like all of us are creating to ensure that they not only move into this field, but they stick with it because it's gonna be tough. You're gonna be one of the very few women in the room um, and they need that support system. Yeah, and I think, you know, another example is one of our, you know, goals is, is working and making sure we have more women entrepreneurs come through our door at L'Oreal. And what's been exciting for me is that, I, you know, I have now men in the venture community who call me, who has a woman who comes to them who has a startup. And they ask me, would L'Oreal be interested in this? So to be able to have a, that kind of voice as a corporation and to be able to actually tell the men who um, they need to be funding, because we are a very large company and, and, and a woman working with, a, you know, in the beauty space or advertising that would be meaningful for us might be out, not out in, the, in, their, in their full realm of possibility. So that's very exciting for us to actually ha get visibility for this program and actually encourage funding and encourage women to go to school. That's a, re that's a real result. Yeah, I have to say, um, I really frequently get the question of how do we get more women interested in technology? And I have to say that 
in our experience, our number one problem is not necessarily getting them interested, but it's sort of instilling them in them the confidence that they are able to do it. So we get plenty of women who are like, I'm curious, I want to know more about this, but I find that it's really about sort of building up their confidence and saying, you can do this. It's not rocket science. Um, it doesn't require, you know, a PhD in mathematics at all. It's really just about your interest and engagement and your willingness to put the hours in. Um, and the results can be amazing. I just you want can do it, all of you. <laughs> I just wanted to add one quick thing on, on, to this um, question because you touched on a thing that's a, a little bit of a pain point to me. That whole pink aisle is just like really bugs me, like to no end, um, because the indoctrination for girls it starts so early. So when you go into any toy store, you see the pink aisle, pink aisle, pink aisle, and then you get to the boys, and it's all different. And I was a mom that didn't have a pink girl, so she wasn't interested in any, any dolls beyond Teletubbies that was done. Um, but after that, I was buying action figures, I was buying video games, she was not a pink girl. And so I think really changing that dominant image and the marketing and the media for girls at an early age will create more self-confident women by the time they get older. So I think it starts with what images they're seeing in media, what type of commercials we're seeing in just a, probably next month, marketing things to girls that are like Legos or like robotics because they are interested in those things. We just don't tell them that they should be. Yeah, or the science behind the products, the pink products that they do want. Absolutely. Like that, that there is science and there's technology behind that, not just you know, I always wanted to a land lipstick, princess. so I'm just going to put that out because Rachel's uh, on the panel. No, it's interesting. Like when I proposed the L'Oreal Women Digital Program to our CEO, you know, one of the questions he asked me, and I was very nervous during this presentation, and I was so passionate about it. He said, "Well, I don't understand. What do these women look like?" And I said, "You're looking at her. Like we <laughs> look like all different kinds of women." And 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 it was became my mission then to really show that these women are diverse and and that they're they're sitting across the boardroom from you and they're your daughter and they're your neighbor and that that it's it, it's not just to your point like a, a plumber sitting behind you know a computer screen plugging in numbers and you know that for me was very eye-opening and 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 my mission is also to show that there are these women are, are us that are all sitting here and, and that's been also very exciting cool well that was a good question what else we got I had a question of how to start if you're a career changer and you don't have any computer background at all? I mean, yeah, um, at it, I would give. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so I would say start with HTML and CSS. Um, that will just sort of get you used to looking at code. And then I would try to work on learning a programming language. And the good news is that you, sort of the hardest work is learning the first programming language. And then you'll find that a lot of the concepts carry over. Or maybe they're different, but then you can sort of understand them in relationship to each other. And um, in terms of computer programming languages to learn, I, would, I personally would recommend Ruby, just because it's a very friendly and forgiving language. Um, so yeah, I would, and then you know, it's always in terms of sticking with it. The best thing you can do is give yourself a very concrete project that you're really invested in the project, in addition to the process of learning to code, and that'll really keep you motivated. Um, and of course, you know, building up a community of people that you can, to the extent that you're able to. Um, also, you know, uh, I think it's called peer review, which is where you teach other people, and it's really interesting to hear sort of that come up with girls who code because um, it's an incredibly powerful way to learn something. So if you can sort of maybe involve somebody else who maybe you'll start to explain some concepts to and they can do that, you'll find that that 
will accelerate both of your learning. Um, you know, it'll create an incredible sort of Uh, boost to it. And I also think there's opportunities if, you know, coding might daunt you a little bit is um, in project management. And I think that, you know, there's lots of careers and we definitely need project managers with all the technology that's coming through corporations. And that's another career path that you should definitely take a look at. Cool. All right. So I'm reflecting on my own high school experience where I entered the engineering program for my 11th and 12th grade, but there was this group think that I didn't really know how to go back into my school and encourage my peers to take the engineering program with me. So how do you empower girls to go back into their peers and say, this is something cool to do. Please don't go to cosmetology and leave me. <laughs> and that's what happened with me. But how do you empower girls to go back in their environment and say, this is something that you could do too? Sam, you want to take that one? Yeah, well, I think having something to show them is is something that's really great where you're like I made this app and you can too that is really inspiring to people so if you can show them the things that you ma- if you can go back into your school and show everyone all the cool stuff you're making and convince them that they can do it too that's really gonna push them to to skip out on cosmetology and go into making cool stuff. Although I would love to have someone with a cosmetology degree and a computer science degree. There we go. <laughs> there we go. A CCS double major. I like it. So, um, Kristen, like, you, give, you, you've gotten to have an example of, of how, I mean, you, you gave the example of one of your students who's now in Bangladesh, but you've got little micro steps that are happening on the way that they're inspiring their colleagues. You know, I think it's both having something tangible to show for that. We have a young woman who in her final project built an incredibly complex video game. And before she demoed it, this graduation was at Google. Before she demoed it at Google, we found that every single person in her school was already playing it. (laughs) And she was by far the most popular person when she returned senior year. Um, But I think, you know, a lot of it's confidence and a lot of it is, again, that exposure. If, If you are working with women 10 years your senior who, um, or have access to women 10 years your senior, who you admire, who you look up to, who show you how to get there, um, and can go back to your peers and in that school setting and say, look, this is what the future is and this is what we can be. that's it's it's a dramatic dramatic change, but right now that's very that's that doesn't really exist. We have to get that to more girls. I'd also like to add real quickly that um, the value of near peer mentors is like really tremendous. So one of the things that we found in our program, some of the best um, situations were when we brought in the Spellbots from Spelman College to do workshops with our girls, and the girls sat in awe as they watched these young women, college young women, um, manipulating robots and really talking about their careers in robots. But we also see that happening in our classes. So we often have, it's not my choice, but we often have classes that have nine-year-olds with 14-year-olds in them at the same time. Because the parents will not listen to me when I tell them it's only for 13, because they just have to have their students in the class, and we we put them there. But one of the the beautiful things that actually happens in that case is that we have our older students become teachers to our younger students, and they become role models within the class. So I think having opportunities like that within high schools and with elementary schools, where those girls are not just learning for themselves, but they're giving 
kind of the task to teach others that takes the conversation in a different path. So they're not just going for themselves to learn how to build an app. They're going so that they can help someone that's younger than them learn as well. You know what I'm saying? You kind of give them something that um, is a task that they must do to teach back, reach back and teach others younger than them. Love it, reaching back. Josh, Apple, thank you for providing us with this, with the stage to discuss future technology. And of course, thank you. And everybody, please, a warm round of applause for Kelly Hoey and all of these amazing tech change makers.